What has gone wrong with young Hollywood? Honest to God, what is the problem? Hello and welcome to season three of Lay Do You Remember This, where we look back on all the stories from Hollywood's best, worst decade, the early 2000s. A time in history when America found out that with a trust fund, a sex tape, and a dream, you too could become a star. As always, I'm your host, Dara Lane. Last week, we discussed the Wilmer Valderrama of it all. You know, dating lots of Hollywood starlets, talking graphically about them on Howard Stern, having a proclivity towards underage Disney stars with drug problems, yada yada yada. So today, we'll be staying within that Marvel universe, moving one branch over in the fucked up incestuous family tree that is Hollyweird California. No, I'm not talking about alleged rapist and alien king worshipper Danny Masterson, so it's gotta be King Douche, Ashton Kutcher. And because I couldn't possibly talk about only Ashton for the entire episode, we will be focusing on Ashton and his relationship with the ghost queen. She is St. Elmo's fire, sweetie. Yes, Demi Moore. Now, between last episode, this one, and also every episode I've made prior to that, you might be asking yourself, does Dara hate straight men? Listen, my father is a straight man. My fiancé is a straight man. Some of my fiancé's best friends who are now my friends are straight men. I do not hate straight men. In fact, here are some straight men that I very much enjoy. One, John Mulaney. I find him to be rather whimsical, which is a trait we should all value and uplift in straight men. If you need some content in the quarantine, might I suggest looking up his stand-up and his musical special, The Sack Lunch Bunch, all on a Netflix. Next straight man? You wouldn't believe this one, but it's true. Guy Fieri. I've been watching a lot of Guy's grocery games, and you know what? I don't think he always gets it right, but I think he's always trying. Third, and finally, Tom Colicchio. I don't usually use the word daddy because I have a dad and I hate the thought of his objectification, but Tom, I'm sorry, that's a thick zaddy. And to quote Melissa from Real World New Orleans, I would like you and me and Padma to get in the menagerie. See, I love straight men. I just think Ashton is a king douche and menace to society. Now, why is that? I bet you think it's because of the cheating. It's part of it, sure. But when it comes to that stuff, I say, judge not lest ye be Ashley Judd. No, the distaste I have for Ashton is more of a certain, je ne sais bleh. Like, I'm not necessarily saying he's a bad person. I don't know him. But I know enough to make the final verdict that he's a douche. Kathy Griffin backs me up on this. She once wrote in her book, Kathy's Celebrity Run-Ins, that he is specifically a D-bag, she writes. We hosted a charity event in 2005 for YouBid.com. Kutcher, my co-host, did not speak to me once. It was bizarre and rude and made me feel as if he thought I was beneath him. 
Three years later, I'm grabbing something to eat, and who should walk in but Kutcher and Demi Moore? I smiled and waved. Nothing. If you won't say hi to me in the Mexican takeout joint, you're a D-bag. Now you might say, Dara, why use a feminine hygiene product to negatively describe someone? And I would say, douches are unnecessary items that were created and marketed to women to make them feel like something was wrong with them. So, a perfect descriptor for Ashton. Your little lady is like a self-cleaning oven, and she doesn't need a douche. And there's another little lady that doesn't need a douche. Your heart. Well, I've defended my unabashed love of straight men long enough. Let's jump into the story. It all began in 2003. Demi was single, having divorced Bruce Willis in the year 2000. Bruce was a box office action star with the Die Hard franchise, who transitioned into a reasonably respected actor after his role in Pulp Fiction. She, of course, starred in Ghost, won a Golden Globe for If These Walls Could Talk, which co-starred Cher and Sissy Spacek. We mustn't forget her in A Few Good Men, Indecent Proposal, ooh, Now and Then. Her IMDb page is longer than the line to get in the front door of Trader Joe's during a pandemic. That's why we call her Demi, but of course it's pronounced Demi, and I'd appreciate if you got the name right, thank you. When they first married, Bruce and Demi were a Hollywood power couple of the highest order, but by their divorce, Demi wasn't a bankable star, and some people with no damn respect might call her washed up. However, her star was about to rise again, but maybe not in the way she would have liked. So she's three years out of her divorce. At 41 years old, she is primed and ready to get her groove back. In May of 2003, Demi is in New York City doing press for her big comeback, the Charlie's Angel sequel, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, which to my mind, tell me if I'm wrong, is the best of the three only thanks to the searingly hot Justin Thoreau, which might be another straight guy I like. I mean, he's best friends with Amy Sedaris, which is a great sign, and one time he was photographed in a Britney Spears t-shirt, but I'm definitely worried about what might have happened between him and Jen, and I am definitely worried about those leather cuff bracelets he's always wearing. Anyway, a 25-year-old Ashton just so happens to also be in town because he's hosting Saturday Night Live with musical guest 50 Cent. Ashton is also a guest at this dinner party, and he and Demi get off like gangbusters. At the end of the evening, Ashton stays at Demi's, and they talked long into the night. They went public with their relationship very soon after, and in June, she walked the Charlie's Angels full throttle red carpet with Ashton, Bruce, and her three daughters, Rumor, Scout, and Tallulah. Immediately, their relationship caused tabloid pandemonium, I mean, people lost their damn shit over this relationship. So much so that the other angels, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and Lucy Liu, were pissed that the movie was completely overshadowed by Demi and Ashton's new relationship. Drew told the Calgary Sun, quote, You could say that there was a bit of irony in all that. In the film, Demi's character, Madison Lee, wanted to overshadow the new angels. And that's what happened in reality. Did you like my Drew Barrymore impression? 
You have to see my mouth for like the full effect, but you get the idea, right? Yes, people were going positively bonkers over the idea of a 25-year-old up-and-coming star dating a 41-year-old gorgeous woman who probably knows how to fuck real good. People were calling them Harold and Maude. It was around this time when the word cougar was introduced to the cultural lexicon, and it probably stuck because it was used over and over again to describe Demi. I could go through all the men in Hollywood who have dated much younger women with no fanfare, but I don't need to do that because you guys are smart. I like to play to the top of my audience's intelligence, okay? Demi and Ashton's romance was a whirlwind. Some said it was a publicity stunt, and the timing of when they got together was a little suspicious since it was right before her big reintroduction to Hollywood with her movie premiere, but in hindsight, we know that they were together for years, which is a bit long for a publicity stunt. But also, Demi talks about it in her book, Inside Out, that their relationship was very real. Things got a little too real, as she describes how, in her words, she became addicted to Ashton. Demi always had an addictive personality and was put into rehab just before shooting St. Elmo's Fire at the behest of the director, Joel Schumacher. But since then, she had been sober for many years. Now her new drug was a 25-year-old doofus in a trucker hat. The two were flitting around Hollywood like two teenagers. The two were flitting around Hollywood like teenagers. The only problem was, you know, Demi was 41 and had three kids at home. Here's a clip of Rumor describing what that was like on an episode of Red Table Talk, which, if you haven't heard of it, is a Facebook show where Jada Pinkett Smith, her mom, and Willow Smith talk to people around a red table. The episode subjects are Demi and Rumor and Tallulah, and the whole half hour is worth watching in its entirety, if not just for Willow's overly engaged facial and vocal reactions. You had always chosen us. You had always put us first yeah. and made that a priority, came to Idaho, like stopped working, like being around a woman as your mother, yeah. who is this like infallible yeah. woman who can take on anything, even my dad, like all of these people yeah. that are, you know, that is in control always, like always together, always mm -hmm. in control, not be in control around right. a man. Mm -hmm. Like, who is this person? I don't know who this is. And I feel like they're supposed to be my my rock. Right. They are supposed to be the one who yeah. is like... Demi and Ashton's lives were totally enmeshed. Demi, who had already been following Kabbalah, started bringing Ashton to the Kabbalah Center, and he got super into it. And he still is to this day. The Kabbalah thing is a whole different animal, so next week I'll do a little companion piece to this episode, getting into the ins and outs of Hollywood's other cults besides Scientology. Ashton also became a big part of the family, becoming friends with Bruce and a daddy figure to the girls. That was a little weird at first for Rumor, considering she was closer in age to Ashton than Demi was. Here's Rumor talking about it on Howard Stern. The Howard Stern Show. So when your mom married Ashton, that's when I knew your mom, you know, when she was with Ashton. Uh... But the thing was, you used to have posters of Ashton. <laughs> totally your, did. <laughs> your, on your, like he's a hot, he's a hot looking dude. I mean, I Ashton, mean, he was one of many on the wall. But right. <laughs> he was up there. Hey, you know. Was that not the weirdest thing for you? That like that's someone that you were basically fantasizing about, and then all of a sudden he moves in with your mom. That's got to be the weirdest time in your life. It was definitely weird for a minute, but you know, I have to commend him, and he 
was a really great stepfather and really, you know, it the perspective like shifted very quickly. Did you th- Did you take down the picture? <laughs> like how long do you wait before you take down the poster like okay, your mom says, "Look, I want you to meet a new guy, you know, I'm I'm seeing, you know, she probably waited a while so things were going well, and now I want to introduce you to my daughters." And then Ashton walks in and you're like, "Oh my fucking lord, look at this. This is the guy on my wall." So at what point do you take down the posters of Ashton and put him up as a stepfather as opposed to the guy that you're fantasizing about? I mean, you know, I think you just, that's when you open up your team beat and then you just take him down and about somebody else, put him up. Do you say to your mom, oh my God, this guy's like the hottest fucking guy on the planet. I can't believe you got him. Do Do you sit her down and have that lecture? I feel like I told my sister that at some point. I was like, man, oh, all right, well... That's Ashton Kutcher. Got to cross him off cross the list. Him I wanted him, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very freaky. Did you mistrust the relationship at first between your mother and Ashton because you say to yourself, well, this is just not going to work. There's no way I'm being protective <laughs> of my mother. Do you think to yourself, I've got to stop this? No, I mean, I feel like I was I was kind of impressed. I was like, yeah, girl, get it. All right. Really? <laughs> yeah. No kidding. But is it weird that like, they go into the bedroom... You're a kid sleeping in the house, and then Ashton and Demir and your mom are in bed, and you're like, oh, my God, this has got to be confusing. I'm sorry. This has got to be so confusing to a kid. I mean, not really, because at a certain point, I feel like you, you know, if if your parent or someone, it's like if your friend is dating someone, you know, you don't then, like, kind of you go, tur- oh, yeah, all right, that's <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> Talk about when you used to have posters of me hanging in your bedroom. Let me tell you. <laughs> then, around this time, Ashton and Demi go on a vacation to Mexico, and at dinner, Ashton drinks a little wine and has an epiphany that he doesn't think alcoholism is real. This gets the wheels turning in Demi's head, like maybe she could keep it under control, so she has her first drink in 20 years. Soon after, their relationship ramps up even further when Demi gets pregnant with a daughter they plan to name Chaplin Ray. We're still only in 2003 right now, people. They lose the baby at six months, and according to her book, before she knew she was pregnant, she was drinking and smoking. So she becomes racked with guilt that losing the baby was her fault. But here's all that in her own words in another Red Table Talk clip. Were you with Ashton then mm-hmm. when she was nine years old and that's mm-hmm. when the relapse happened? Yes, how it broke down. Like, you know, I opened that door to drinking after almost 20 years. Wow. And you and Ashton were trying to have a baby. I ended up pregnant and then I lost, lost the baby right. at almost six months. And so when I couldn't get pregnant again, the guilt that I felt that it was clearly my fault was just enormous. So we went on this trip and Ashton said, I don't know if alcoholism's a thing. I think it's about moderation. And if I had stayed close to working my program, I, I of course, like I lived the majority of my adult life sober. I was great sober. I had, I I had no... What do you think that mental or emotional pull was to be like... I wanted to be that girl. Yeah. I was, I, you know, I made my own story up that he wanted somebody that he could have wine with and do stuff. He didn't, he's not the cause of why I opened that door. I wanted to be something other than who I am. Right. And I, and I, it was literally like giving my power away. Right. 
And here's why I think Ashton's a real piece of work. I mean, the absolute gall of a little shithead 25-year-old telling a woman who has lived a hell of a lot more life than he has that mm, he doesn't think alcoholism is a thing. And methinks Ashton has a bit of a track record of very matter-of-factly telling women he dates his hot takes on how they should live their lives. If I may sidetrack for a moment, let me remind you all of his ex-girlfriend, January Jones, who you know, if you follow her on Instagram, is a kooky quarantine queen. January dated Ashton from 1998 to 2001. Now, listen to this clip of January on Watch What Happens Live. January, have you ever talked to Ashton Kutcher since he said you couldn't act? And what do you think about his acting skills? Ooh, ouch. Uh... You said So you said in an article in GQ that, that he had said that about you, right? No, I didn't. I said that so someone I had dated previously wasn't encouraging of my acting. Not oh. that I couldn't. I don't know if that person had ever actually seen me act. Got it. But the uh, person who wrote the interview did the math and thought it might be him. So I never really said who it was. I got it. Yeah. Was... But I haven't talked to him, but I'm super happy for him and his family to be political and all that. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> was it him? Who knows? Um... And if you couldn't tell by the pause and laughter, yeah, it was Ashton. Again, we stand a quarantine queen. But like, it begs the question, who in the good goddamn does Ashton Kutcher think he is? Another fun tidbit from Demi's book includes a little shout out to JJ. She talks about how Ashton was convinced that January had a fling with Bruce Willis on the set of their 2001 movie Bandits, and it still pissed him off even though they had broken up and he was with Demi. Years later, after Demi and Ashton had broken up, she asked January if it ever happened, to which Jan replied, Are you serious? She said laughing. I told him a hundred times. I didn't want to fuck that old man. Can't you just hear her saying that? I love it. I simply adore it. Jumping back on the timeline, we're in 2004 and Demi is back on the souse. She and Ashton are going to Purim parties at the Kabbalah Center, dressed up as giant babies. If you don't know Purim, it is a real costume holiday, but my Jewish god never intended for two goys to run around Robertson Boulevard in giant onesies in her name. However, during all the partying, it's really just a mask for her grief over the miscarriage that, according to her book, Ashton doesn't really seem to get. They talk to their Kabbalah teacher, and he says that he thinks a good thing for them that will heal this wound is to get married. That it would, quote, deepen their connection, uniting two souls as one. Oi to the ve. Just a terrible idea to try and fix a relationship problem by legally combining all of your assets. Around the beginning of 2005, Demi starts wearing a new huge rock on her fingy, and then on September 24th, 2005, the two got married at their home in Beverly Hills and had a traditional Jewish wedding, officiated by a rabbi, underneath a chuppah, Ashton stomping on glass, the whole kit and caboodle. A hundred of their closest friends were there, including Sole Moonfry, aka Punky Brewster, whose husband was Ashton's producing partner on Punked. Ashton's parents, his twin brother, his older sister, Bruce was there, and Lucy Liu arrived late, 
in the middle of the ceremony. So I suppose she wasn't too mad about Demi stealing her Charlie's Angels Thunder, but maybe a little mad. After Demi and Ashton get married, they live their lives like any other couple. Game nights with Salma Hayek and Penelope Cruz. Other friends would come over on Wednesdays for Kabbalah classes at the Kutcher's. The huge. Demi's girls called Ashton Maud, my other dad. And then Demi starts doing IVF so they can try to have another baby. Ashton was apparently fine with having a kid in other ways, like through a surrogate, but Demi felt attached to carrying a child, partially because if she couldn't, then it would mean the tabloids were right about her being a disgusting old hag bag gutter witch that a young man could never love. As time goes on, Demi continues drinking, but gradually it starts to go haywire, and despite being the one to tell Demi that he thinks alcoholism isn't real, he starts to get really mad and condescending whenever she takes it too far. Like, one time they rented out Joe Francis's house for Demi's 45th birthday in Puerto Vallarta, which Demi describes as an unbelievable place run like a six-star hotel, which how depressing that that disgusting little girls gone wild perv made all of that money by putting obliterated 18 year old girls on camera while they take their tops off and make out and go down on each other. What a world, my friends. Anyway, they take a few friends there for the weekend and Demi gets too drunk. Ashton gets really annoyed and he puts her to bed. And then the next morning, he makes her feel bad about it by showing her the pictures he took while she was puking into the toilet. Like, bitch, you wanted her to drink. If you want your girl to drink, you better have the decency to let her puke on her birthday in peace. She wasn't puking in the bathroom at Tallulah's elementary school talent show. You're at Joe goddamn Francis's house. What did you think would happen there? After that, Demi gets dental surgery and is prescribed Vicodin. She ends up getting hooked on it, and after a while, tells Ashton she has to detox off of it and quit. So he leaves for a week while she goes through the hell that is coming off opioids. And according to her, when he comes back, he shows very little compassion or encouragement for her, and from then on, she can feel him slowly pulling away. As Ashton starts retreating, Demi starts flailing, trying to get things back to where they were. This, along with her drinking, starts to alienate her two younger daughters, and they distance themselves from her. Soon after, Ashton starts to float the idea of he and Demi inviting a third into the boudoir. I mean, listen, smoke him if you got him, baby. Demi agrees to it, and they end up doing a little ring around the rosy twice. But then, in September, just before their anniversary in 2010, Star Magazine breaks the story that Ashton cheated on Demi with a 21-year-old while she was away shooting a movie. Publicly, they both deny it, but privately, she knows it's true and confronts him. She knows this is true because she actually remembers when this girl and Ashton met. Ashton and Demi were out bowling with Rumor. They meet this young woman who's bowling with her mom and sister, and Demi finds out that while Ashton was returning their bowling shoes, he slipped this girl his number. I mean, listen, like I said, I don't blanketly judge people for having affairs, but like, eh, now, this is low down dirty. I, Naomi, Winona, and Ashley judd him. Apparently, Ashton slept with this young woman in their home on the couch. He at least didn't have sex with her in their marriage bed, but he desecrated the couch where they would sit to play dominoes with Penelope Cruz. 
It gets worse, my dears. Ashton fesses up to it and tells her that he did it because when they had those threesomes, it blurred the lines of monogamy. I mean, I could kill him. I could simply kill him. So Jimmy finds this out, and then the day before their anniversary, the two of them are scheduled to make a speech at the Clinton Foundation to unveil their new charity that they started together to fight sex trafficking. So she has to stand up there next to him and do the good wife routine. Speaking of the good wife, quick side note. If you need to watch something in quarantine, please binge watch The Good Fight. It is my favorite show, and if it weren't only on CBS All Access, it would be the biggest show on TV. It is kooky and amazing, and we don't deserve Christine Bransky. Sorry, I have to spread the good word. Okay, anyway, Demi is up there, standing by her man, covering up for his admitted infidelity the day before their damn anniversary. Gutting. Leave him. But she doesn't. And instead of him trying to be nice and make up for everything, he's just business as usual. He was just checked out of the relationship at that point and was trying to push her away. You can really tell how much he's over her in some of the interviews I saw from this point until their divorce. Here they are on Piers Morgan together. They're there to discuss their charity, but Piers opens up the show by asking about their relationship. Is he, is he romantic? I would say so. Because well, he's a ruggedly, you know, no, he's very... chuck you over his shoulder and <laughs> I think he's a little bit. Of, I mean, he's a little dinner. bit of both, but I have, I'll say the, you know, the type of romantic is I have, if you go to our house, I have post-it notes that are placed in various locations, all with messages um, of encouragement or love or just thought. And been there, um, I don't know, seven years. Really? Yeah. Post-it notes are much cheaper than diamond rings. <laughs> <laughs> but can often carry a lot more weight. <laughs> What's your favorite post-it note? Um, wow, my favorite. I, I think, well, they're all my favorite, but my most recent one was just a reminder that I was magical. You are a little old softy, aren't you? Yeah. Huh? You gotta stop saying this stuff in public, honestly. Like, <laughs> telling people about that publicly doesn't go killed well for me. No, it's... Let's talk about politics, because the other thing that I think unites you two... There's another video I saw of Demi dancing on stage with Snoop Dogg during a concert. It's so hard to watch. She's dancing, having fun, and Ashton is sitting on the side of the stage, and you can tell he just hates her, but knows people are watching, so he's trying to mask it. He then kind of pulls her over and onto his lap, trying to get her to stop dancing. I'll post it to my Instagram if you want to check it out, at this. Now, we're almost to the end of their relationship. Demi gets sober for 10 months in an effort to smooth things over with Ashton, and it seems like it helped for a little while. In 2011, Demi says she wants to get a surrogate to have a baby with him, and he agrees. Over the 4th of July, she tells him she's found the perfect egg donor, and he says, let's go for it. Two days later, when they're about to sign the paperwork, he says he doesn't want to do it anymore. They go to therapy, but he says it's over and he wants to move out. Demi tells him, don't move out, can we just work this out privately for now, and neither of us will be with anyone until everything is settled, and he agrees again. Then, right before their anniversary, Ashton goes to Danny Masterson's bachelor party in San Diego. Now, you know nothing good ever comes from Danny Masterson or San Diego. Just kidding, San Diego, I love you. 
But like, really though. The next day, Ashton comes back, takes Demi out to dinner for their anniversary like everything is fine. In her head, they're working on their relationship. Things aren't great, but they're trying to figure stuff out and they're still technically monogamous. A few days later, Demi leaves LA to shoot a miniseries and Ashton sends her flowers. But then, in New York, she gets a Google alert. Ashton caught cheating again. Apparently, he hooked up with a 23-year-old at the bachelor party in a hot tub. When it comes out, it seems like a one-time thing. I'll let Wendy Williams explain it. So pictures have surfaced of Ashton Kutcher's side piece. And before they put the picture up, I just want you to know that we've been talking about his alleged cheating scandal all week. I'll recap first. All right, um, Ashton is with this 23, or allegedly with a 23-year-old girl. Her name is Sarah Leal. They allegedly hooked up last Saturday night after his alleged drinking, and they were in San Diego? Yes. San Diego. And we thought that it was just a one-night fling. I'll catch you up. Okay, so she hired an attorney, and something about $250,000 she wanted for something or another. He thought that he was slicker than her by having his bodyguard get her cell phone before entering the alleged hotel room where the deed got allegedly done. Um, but, you know, she didn't need a cell phone. She's just talking, and for some reason, we haven't seen any pictures of the two of them in the bed, but she's really just, I, I mean, I don't know what to say about this. Okay, so we showed you a picture yesterday, and the picture that we showed you yesterday was of the girl by herself, a blonde girl. Uh, now we have another picture. Apparently, don't show it yet. We thought it was a one-night stand. Apparently, there's more to this relationship because the following picture was taken back in June? Back in June. Go. June 1st, and Pacific Coast News just called her a mystery blonde. They are the people who posted the picture. This is back June 1st, you guys. Aren't you gagging? I mean, I'm not saying that jumping off is bad, but there are degrees of jumping off, and they all deserve a punch in the head. But no, listen, no, listen to me. A, for those of you who don't know, jump off is a side piece, is a hookup, is, you know, the bee trying to get in the way of your marriage is what I'm saying. Okay, so look, 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 look. Um, we thought it was a one-night stand, which would have still given Demi Moore every right to be upset and want to file for divorce. But to find out that it was more than a one-night stand, that this has been going on, allegedly been going on, whatever it is, since June 1st. And look at that, he's driving, which means that's not a car service. He's in the family car. He's sitting where the kids sit. That's where I put my groceries for our house. Are you serious? I recognize the steering wheel. Isn't that our Suburban? <laughs> that finally puts the nail in the coffin. And a week after Demi's 49th birthday, Ashton moves out. Demi and Ashton take the breakups a little differently. Here's Jada. In 2012, after nearly 20 years of sobriety, Demi hit a terrifying low at a birthday party. She took a puff of synthetic pot and nitrous oxide, and everything went blurry. Okay, is she breathing? Is she breathing? Yes. Okay, and she overdosed on... Uh... Uh, she's convulsing. She yelled no, because she knew what would come next. 
the ambulance, the paparazzi, and then TMZ announcing Demi Moore rushed to the hospital on drugs. On the other hand, there was Ashton. Here's a clip of him talking to Dax Shepard, the somehow impossibly more annoying version of Ashton Kutcher. So I went, right after I got divorced, I did uh, I went to the mountains okay. for a week by myself. San Gabriel's? No, I went into Big Sky in oh, Montana. Yeah. Can you imagine if you went to the San Gabriel? <laughs> you never really hear about anyone retreating to the San Gabriel's. And I I did no food, no drink. I just water and tea and and no I took all my computers away my phone my uh-huh. everything I was there by myself so there was no talking and I just had a notepad and a pen and water and tea uh for a week for a week yeah and that was I would imagine the first 2 days are insufferable and then you kind of I started to hallucinate off. on like day 2 which was fantastic uh-huh it was like pretty wonderful wow uh and and God, I was like doing Tai Chi with, you know, my own energy. I don't know. Sure. I mean, if Making somebody it up was recording. As you go. And I wrote. You don't have any formal training in Tai Chi, do you? No. No, right, right. No, okay, I was, okay, yeah. I was I just doing, so. I was just doing it, <laughs> doing what came to me. Sure. And then I wrote down every single relationship that I had where I felt like there was like some grudge or some anything, regret, uh-huh. anything. And then I wrote letters to every single person uh-huh. and sent the letter. The on day seven, I typed them all out and then sent them. Oh, I hand wrote them all and then typed them up and sent and them mostly up. taking responsibility for your shortcomings in those yeah, relationships. Yeah, just kind of. It was or all, just telling them. You it know was what? Almost I, like I an, still think you're an asshole. I just no, it was to reach almost, out. It was like an AA exercise. Yeah, 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 like yeah. where I was like, I probably have like done some damage and some. Really, well, and, so I just cleared palate. Uh, and but that was seven days of of no anything uh-huh. was really spiritual and kind of awesome. But yeah, I, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. Uh, I would probably find some way to get some nutrients into my body. Well, what's interesting like, to me about when you do break up with someone in the uh, end, Demi went to rehab, stayed sober, and eventually reconnected with her daughters, and has been quarantining with them and Bruce and his wife and daughters. Cute. And we all know what happened with Ashton. He ended up with Mila Kunis, the Jewess of his dreams. Now he gets to celebrate Purim and Passover freely and joyfully, without the appropriative implications. All I can hope for is that he treats her well. And maybe he does. Maybe he learned from his starter marriage with Demi. Maybe he learned from a seasoned woman how to fuck good and how to not mansplain something like alcoholism to a 20-year sober alcoholic. He said himself that he learned a lot about being a parent to his kids from helping raise Demi's daughters. Maybe, despite being openly upset by her book, he can still find it in his heart to raise a glass of Manischewitz and say, Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. But something tells me no, because he is such a douche. Laydu, You Remember This is researched, written, narrated, and edited by me, Dara Lane. If you aren't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a rating and review. You can follow updates on the pod on Instagram, and please, if you like the podcast, share it. Tell your friends. It's true what they say. It takes a village to make me famous. If you have any questions, comments, or show suggestions, please email this at gmail.com. So, you're invited to come back next week. 
We've got a table, and I've put you on the list for Lady You. Remember this. Not the girl for me I know I-